on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. <laughs> Even Frencher than before. Is anybody else worried that Cardi B has a herniated disc? I cannot think of stop thinking about her in that dress at the Met Gala. <laughs> uh, it wasn't as big as uh, Jordan Dunn's, uh, what was it, 30 pounds that she was wearing? Oh, God. I didn't even, my, we're going to get into the Met Gala, but my official opinion is there are too many people allowed to go to the Met Gala. Because I don't remember. I'm going through James the, Charles. I'm going through the the slideshow now. The Vogue one has it 198 pictures. <laughs> Too many. They need to call that guest list. Uh, I mean, literally, that YouTube makeup person was allowed to be there. It was like, is is? I don't even know who that you, is. Can you buy tickets online? Yeah. It feels well. I heard the part Stub of StubHub. Yeah, right. The tea with some of it though is that you, there are people that get to go to the dinner, and then people that just get to go to the cocktail party. Mm. So not everyone that shows up is really like inside at the gala. They basically just get to like do the carpet and get some champagne, and then Anna's like, "You gotta go. <laughs> See you on the street." Yes. Yeah. Frankly, I would do that. <laughs> no, I mean that's like all, like I think most of them are doing that. Yeah. Like there's no way. You know what I mean? Like they not that many people there. They can't make that many, like, poorly cooked filet mignon. <laughs> I was going to say, what is going on inside the Met Gala? It's not like there's a conference or something. Um, Lewis, like, I've got to get the information. Louis, don't you remember? There was the banquet where um, eight women stole jewelry. Oh, that's, that's what's right. going yes, on inside I love it. that Daphne documentary. <laughs> necklace is vanishing. Do you know my hot take about that movie is that Helena Bonham Carter is the best part of it? I feel like nobody says that anyway. Is she? Yeah. I think it's Anne Hathaway. Oh, oh, oh. Anne okay. Hathaway was very good. I, here's the thing. She is the best part, but I need the take to be hot. So the second best Helena is now my favorite. Mm, all right. Well, <laughs> we will be getting into the Met Gala and all of its messiness, uh, but also some greatness. Uh, there were some very good moments. For sure. Uh, we will also be talking about our favorite person, Louis C.K., Oh, uh, as usual. As you know, I love comedy. She's and, back. Yeah. She's and back. comedians who make me laugh. <laughs> Her comeback tour. Um, three strokes at a time. Um, oh, and God. Jesus. We'll be talking to Jonathan Levine, director of the new movie Long Shot, starring Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. Giving one of her meanest performances. Always go meaner, Charlize. Mm. All right. We'll be right back. Don't forget, our live show is next week, May 14th, at the Regent Theater in Los Angeles. There's a few tickets left, so get that shit. At crooked.com slash events. The Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute hosted its annual Met Gala, a.k.a. fashion's biggest night out. Do you say gala or gala? Gala. Though I think I say gala apples. Is that fucked up? Anyway. I mean, I like saying gala when I feel like, you know, just being a classist 
faggot. Oh, sure. <laughs> if this event were be- were gayer, I'd probably say gay- gala. Uh, but the night kicked off with its annual blockbuster show, which, you know, has celebrity after celebrity and some people who you wonder how they got there. Um, but the exhibition was Camp Notes on Fashion, an ode to Susan Sontag's essay, Notes on Camp, which defines camp as love of the unnatural of artifice and exaggeration. The evening's hosts were Anna Wintour, Alessandro Michelle, the creative director of Gucci, Harry Styles, <laughs> Lady Gaga, and Serena Williams. First of all, I had forgotten that Harry Styles was one of the hosts of the evening because he looked awful. I forget about him all the time. Um, I, like, uh, does he make music still? He constantly he gets the points one, for doing the bare minimum. Is he the one that's having the baby with um, the other British lady? No, that's Liam Payne. Yes, uh, with yeah. Cheryl Cole. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. He so, had a solo career, but or he has he has a solo album, and he is you know looks like a, a tiny Nintendo me version of Mick Jagger. Cheryl Cole, which if none of you knew, like attacked a black bathroom attendant once. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I literally just pictured her getting off the next bus, and that was the trivia fact about her. And she was fired from X Factor US because Simon Cowell was like, people can't understand you, bitch. Not that this justifies that, but my hot take is I hate bathroom attendants. Like, not the individuals. I know they're just doing their job. But I hate walking into a bathroom, and someone hands me a paper towel, and then now I feel like I have to give them $2. Or if I don't give them the money, and they— because sometimes I'll try to grab the towel before they can hand it to me. Mm -hmm. And then they get it in my hands too quick. And then I'm like, I don't have any money for you. So we just did this whole song and dance for no reason. And now this is uncomfortable. It's especially uncomfortable when there's bathroom attendants at like the Abbey. Right. Yeah. Places where there shouldn't be. Yeah. No, but there are often bathroom attendants in venues that are like, we're kind of shitty. So we're going to give you a bathroom attendant to trick you. It is kind of a shocking job. Like, you could just add an attendant anywhere. Like, oh, there's an attendant next to the plant to make sure you didn't touch the plant. And then you have to tip them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I sometimes want to tip them just because they have to sit in the bathroom. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's fair. But, you know, maybe I don't. I've, I'm I'm a cashless person these days. <laughs> You're like Get a grains. square. Yeah. Get a square. What's yeah, your act- Venmo? Like, low-key, I would actually, I would Venmo them. <laughs> that's, a, that's what bathroom attendants need to do. Uh, Gaga, of course, was... Fantastic. She was great. I need her in Sweet Charity on Broadway immediately. That's right. She also it was four outfits in one. So it started off with one extravagant pink outfit, turned into a black outfit, turned into another pink outfit. And then I think she was just basically in her underwear. Which was her favorite. Yeah, I, I will say, because when I first saw her in the pink, I was like, okay, so she's in a really big dress. Mm-hmm. So I was initially not that impressed. And then it, <laughs> I was like, it's just big. I don't know, in, in a bright color. But then she kept going and she did a little show. Yeah. Kind of took a while, but you know. Once she got to the vaudeville show with just like laying on the steps, yeah, writhing. I, was like, I was like, this is Gaga. Mm-hmm. That and is also, why we love you. The, the, yes, because it was both uh, rising to the occasion and insufferable. Like, that's exciting. <laughs> but know? it's the Gaga that I feel like we missed from the entire Oscar campaign. Right. right. She was giving you pristine, I'm serious, I'm an actor, like the opposite of camp. Yeah, you need to be humping staircases. That's what we want. <laughs> she, she did it. And and in a year, sans Rihanna. Oh, yeah. yeah. I felt like she was, 
Which, I mean, why do they even throw that event when I, Rihanna's I, not going? I always say the theme of the Met Gala is this is awkward if you're not Rihanna. Rihanna's but, rude tweet, by the way, just like <laughs> tweeting out Anna Wintour's outfit, best dress. I'm like, <laughs> bitch, how about you show up? Yeah. <laughs> Don't, she loves doing that. Also, just look, look at these other people dressed like this. May, look at this album you won't maybe get. Maybe that, maybe the whole, her not showing up. Maybe that was the camp. Right. Her at home with the makeup, recording the album, just like <laughs> shady tweets. That was Rihanna's version of camp. When Her you, album will be called Camp. Right. When you think when you theme a thing like this about, about camp, which I'm sure we'll get into, all I can think of were the actual campy celebrities who weren't there. Like you're telling me Grace Jones isn't at this wearing, you know, like a mailbox on her head or something. You know, Tilda Swinton, Bjork. I feel like the this event was like chase Bjork's swan dress and come up with something as, you know, monumentally weird and unsettling. And a couple of people kind of came close. But for the most part, I feel like people just don't get what camp is, which is Susan Sontag uh, uh, once said, I'm sorry to be your freshman rhetoric teacher right now. Um, <laughs> she called it failed seriousness, which and I thought what we mostly got on the red carpet was failed frivolity. Anna Wintour wearing a couple of feathers and some baubles. That's her trying to seem extravagant and coming off as unfun but to she's me. not the thing is Anna Winter is not the example to use because no. she's not that bitch is never on theme she's like I'm here this is my event like I don't think you have she'll vaguely give you a little bit like she'll wear a cross last year or something mm -hmm. she's never gonna be the person that's like really on theme it's these uh, I want it from the people that aren't like I don't if you're someone who's super like if you're Serena Williams I don't really care if you do the theme or not mm -hmm. it's these sort of mid-level people where I'm like this could really be a moment for you to like show up and show out and like some of them did, like, I mean, and Cardi's not mid-level, but she is now four for two at Met Gala's. Yeah. I mean, well, part of the issue, too, I mean, is like Sontag said, like intentional camp is usually bad. Right. Um, and, and not camp. And yeah. and there's the the problem with a lot of this, too, is that um, camp, it could rarely be achieved by a bunch of rich people showing up to a party. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it's usually, uh, you know, embodied by like minorities and other subcultures, you know, like drag queens and, you know, like black culture, you know, like, you know, there's more camp at a Bronner Brothers hair show How did than no, there will that be actually, at the Met Gala. Sarah did it. Sarah gave you like Bronner Brothers hair. Yes. But in a Bob Mackie dress, which is lazy. Yeah. yeah but like, uh -huh. I thought she looked good. I was like, she committed to that because I was like, girl, I don't even know how heavy that is. But how did no one show up with Bronner Brothers hair? Yes, there should have been writing in the hair. I, I wanted an Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I did love the people who sort of went camp by reaching toward camp icons, you know, like totally was, into was, that. There was yeah. no like Bronner Brothers hair, but there was a lot of Dapper Dan, um, which I enjoyed. I loved Ashley Graham and her gloves and stockings, that like gold cell phone clutch. Regina Hall. Regina um, Hall. Regina Hall wasn't necessarily camp, but she she yes. was a good example of because I, I feel like something to also remember with events like these is like these people are going to work mm -hmm. like you can be a celebrity who's like I don't like red carpets aren't really fun. If you've ever like done red carpets or work them, it's like everyone there is working. And if you're an actor that's like, I don't even really like this. I don't even really mm -hmm. care about fashion, but it's part of my job to get up and get dressed. I can imagine that's very irritating. And so if you're not going to do the theme, I appreciate appreciate someone like Regina Hall who just looked beautiful. Mm -hmm. She just like, it's like not really the thing, but she looked amazing. And it's like, I'm happy with that. 
um, versus you don't really have an excuse if you aren't on theme and you look bad. Because then oh, I'm like, a Munch shut up in a paper bag. I didn't even see <laughs> her. Was, seat. She wasn't there. Oh. <laughs> I just want to add to that, by the way, that red carpets in general truly feel like the airport when you are there. It's people being hustled through. You're watching some people move quickly, other people stuck, reporters who can't be hurt. It's like cacophonous. So anyway, I'm <laughs> well, like yeah, borderline traumatized from my experience. person having these photos and that, especially the Met Gala, like, the Met Gala carpet is huge. It's not like a movie premiere where you're at least like walking down a line. It's just like all these levels. So they're taking a picture of Priyanka and Nick over here while you're over here getting a photo. And also, they didn't look good. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was bad. I wanted to say about camp icons. I was into we were just talking about how people can use the Met Gala to propel themselves. Elle Fanning reaching for like a Sharon Tate moment. What an awesome look on her. Yes. She looks good. Who were uh, the good ones? Leslie Grossman's Zaza Gabor looked great. Yeah. Jaja Gabor. Thank yes. you, a woman who can say faggot. Right. Thank you. Um, I liked I liked Janelle. Mm, yeah, Janelle's um, Christian Siriano became camp for me when I saw the video and realized that the eye the blinked. blinked. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I was the just other like, eye blink too? No, there's no other eye. She has a clutch. Oh, so she clutch. had another yeah, clutch yeah. that was the other eye. Um, Ryan Murphy looked good as Liberace, but he looked very uncomfortable, which is like, you know, you're like a mega writer producer. Like he's not a red carpet person. Yeah, He was right. just there having fun. Uh, Tracy Ellis Ross. She looks in great. In a picture frame, like that nod to Lorraine O'Grady's art is moment. Mm. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I thought that she looked beautiful. And also it's like, right, there's something outside of fashion occurring there, like putting the picture frame on your face. Like I, I yeah. expected more things like that. Like where are the people dressed in outfits that are Legos or something? Yeah. You know, we finally got to that with Katy Perry when she got inside. Now, I sh- loved her. The, sh- the, the chandelier, chandelier outfit was okay. The hamburger outfit was fucking amazing. But did we see the video of Katy Perry in her hamburger oh God, outfit in the bathroom? In the bathroom. Yeah. Her friend filming her and then JLo just walks by. She's like, a hamburger. And the person <laughs> recording is like, hey, J-Lo. And J-Lo's like, hey, girl. Walk out the bathroom. <laughs> Katy Perry also, like, she kind of gives you this every year. Yeah. She like, right. every every time she shows up to a carpet, you're like, what is this bitch wearing? And at least this time it made sense. She does it for you, three, six, five. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I want to say, I am, so I am mad at any celebrity that came to this year's Met Gala in a look that would basically fly any other year. Because the assignment is always outrageousness. You're well, yeah. right. Harry Styles with like a blouse, which was sort of like the men showing up in suits. I'm like, okay, at least do something with the suit. Yeah. Um, but, Celine? Uh, but yeah, Celine was, was giving you dandelion, um, <laughs> everything. Uh, but I just really hate the men who think that a blouse or like a lip or some makeup or like even a dress is really giving you camp. Or it's just like, we think that it's androgynous and gender bending. I'm like, no. It's not. It's I conventional. love Michael Yuri's the Victor Victoria moment. Oh, oh yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. What men looked good? I can't even. Uh, I, Ezra Miller with that, yeah. with the, the like Twilight Zone like mask, yeah. with them revealing the eyes. Um, Frank Ocean looked a goddamn mess, and I know he hangs out with too many white fashion designers to can be I, looking like I that. Can I tell you something though? What? And this is me giving <laughs> him the benefit of the doubt, and also, and you're going to be blown away, Kim Kardashian. I think what he was going for was like a security guard at the Met. Like, it seemed like mm-hmm. he was going for, like, a character in a similar way where when Kim came out, I was like, girl, what is this? Although I think that every time I see her. But she, I think she was her Vogue cover. 
Oh, she was. So I it was like her. those things. Like the two of them to me were sim- where they didn't necessarily like look good. Mm-hmm. Neither of them, but like the idea behind it yeah. was like pretty campy. Yeah, I, I mean I, Joan Crawford always gets points just for being Joan Crawford. She basically came as herself from Dynasty. It wasn't an iconic Dynasty look, but yeah. like I mean. She walks down a red carpet. I'm like, girl, you are camp. Also, I think the point with Kim Kardashian, you're right. I think she's being her Vogue cover. And also, she was leaning into the whole obsessiveness with looking wet. So, like, there were, like, th- things hanging off her to look like she had just gotten out of the water. Well, because she was wet in the yeah. Vogue cover. Yeah, yeah. I right, like right, yeah. that. Um, Kylie and Kendall. Kylie with her literally... First of all, where was little Kim? Because she is a I camp know. black right, camp icon. Right, totally. You instead had Kylie basically ripping off her VMA dress, but doing it poorly, looking they, like a Vegas showgirl. Yeah. The movie showgirls is camp. Being a showgirl is not I camp. actually Correct. thought that. I was like, how did no one show up as, as the showgirl? But also like the the poster, like the one leg. You mm, know what I mean? I was like, yeah. someone should have like come as like the movie poster yeah. with the leg and like wearing a box or whatever the fuck it would take to yeah. make it look like that like that would have been amazing that reminds me of one of my favorite rupaul's drag race looks ever which was there was a madonna themed challenge a couple years ago and mm-hmm. valentina's look which was kind of what you're describing she was dressed as the madonna poster you ever seen the poster of madonna hitchhiking on the street naked mm-hmm. she had the bars over her breast that was great that it's like right inventiveness like it's not literal and you're doing something that's like recognizable but fucked up speaking you know? of rupaul he looked awful it was like a, it had like, a horse head on it. I, a zebra yeah i i also just not here for like rupaul's new trip like rupaul is camp like a camp icon and this weird shift into i'm just wearing suits now i don't care about drag come and watch my um talk show where i'm interviewing tanya harding and you know mm-hmm. like talking about how much feeling you have i'm like i guess you want to be <laughs> Like, this is you now. You know, you want to be Oprah. You know who was also disappointing was Nikki Minaj. Fell into and the background. Talk about another person girl. who, for the the majority of her career, has been nothing but camp. Did like, girl, you could interview where yeah, she was talking she about, it, like, yeah. well, you know, like, this is what Prabla, air quotes, interpreted as, as camp. camp. It's like, don't throw your designer under the bus. I mean, but she all, like, all she had, like, you know, she has a storage house full of those wigs. She was camp. She was 100% camp. The entire, like, first half of her career before Cardi got her shook. She was, but she was like... She had that character. She did it over and over, even though, like, you never thought she looked good. I was never mm. like, I'm happy with this. But you're like, I know what she's doing. She should have just recreated, frankly, one of her iconic looks. Well, that's how I felt about my girl, Rita Ora, who looked She go- was there? Who, she looked gorgeous who in, like, this gold look. But Rita Ora is another person who, like, nine times out of ten, what she normally wears is camp. Like, she wore a gorgeous, like, bathrobe with, like, a towel on her head look to the European Music Awards. Rewear that, girl. Totally. Like, don't just, like, come out here in a boring gold thing. I loved, uh, speaking of camp icons, Gemma Chan. uh, Oh, I didn't see her. She came dressed with crystal flowers on her head and a nod to Liz Taylor in Boom. That's what, oh, my God. she tweeted it. Guys, which is based on the Tennessee Williams play. The train doesn't come here anymore. Guys, Boom is a movie that, first of all, it's the kind of thing you can only see in like a theater in Brooklyn (laughs) once every eight years. It is Richard Burton and Liz Taylor on a random mountain somewhere screaming at each other. And no coward. Yes, no coward. Yes. (laughs) One of the gayest pieces of anything we have. Uh, Billy Porter was gay personified. And I always hate how like these roundups of like, oh, look at men, you know, um, you know, 
define gender or whatever, like include his ass. He was giving you yeah. Antony and Cleopatra, Act Five, Scene Two. Right. I mean, I feel Opulence. like he got his. Like, I think all of the coverage I saw was mm-hmm. like Lady Gaga and Billy Porter. Like mm-hmm. he, I mean, the 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 male servants carrying him had gold Tim's on. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, the, I mean, uh, I think Celine Dion just came up earlier, yeah. but I was just thinking about how, and I'm sorry, this is now not an original thought because I saw Tom and Lorenzo, uh, the great fashion bloggers also bring this up, but man, we are really like running out of true camp icons. We are. Like, like Celine Dion, there, she kind of personifies some version of camp, which is her relationship to reality is a little bit tenuous. It's you're always a little That's cuckoo. Generous. Yes. <laughs> but it's in a way better than reality. Yeah. There's something just so like like endorphin building about how weird she is, you know, and that's like reminds me of John Waters films, etc. cetera. Uh, I, li- I thought that Casey Musgraves had a light. I nice liked her. Moment. Oh, yeah. I thought the, that was the, the best the, one. The Barbie. The hand, best. The Barbie hand really took it there because girl. it was fucked up. There was something it, like she held her jaw a certain way. The way like her her like hand was like curved like Barbie's hand. It's like this is gross kind of. And like just looking at her, the glossiness, there was something there like imitating something fake, but there was a human trying to get out of it. It was just creepy. And I thought that was campy too. Um Zendaya and I never say her name correctly. Zendaya. 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 Um, uh, her Cinderella moment. The Cinderella was moment. Gorgeous. Did you see when she left her glass slipper? Yeah. Yes, like she, she left really her glass committed. Slipper on the stair. That's she fine. had a fairy godmother like give her that and and part of, I think, the story was that, like, the person who's been her designer um, and stylist has been working with her since her Disney days. So that was her sort yeah. of, like, I'm an adult now. I'm growing up, leaving Disney behind. Um, I will say. Natasha Leon looked great in her Gaultier jumpsuit, which was a nod to Klaus Nomi, which is perfect camp because he was a backup dancer for Bowie on his SNL performance. And her purse just was a clear like bag of cigarettes. That yeah. was amazing. But it's celebrities like that who you expect to have fun and sort of do this. Um, I don't know. I still sort of think that like the Met Gala is fun. Uh, camp was an interesting theme. As I said, rich white people doing camp is <laughs> comical. Yeah, camp too. It's like yeah. how the song Ironic becomes extra ironic if it's not ironic uh, did, or whatever. Did you see your uh, your favorite person, Rami? <laughs> Rami Malik is in my list of four worst dressed people of the evening. I mean, <laughs> he literally just wore a suit. I know. And some like red pants. I'm tired of him. But you know, I would have rather he just worn a black tuxedo to make it clear that he wasn't even trying, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, like Sean Mendes. But I mean, like whatever. From like straight <laughs> dudes, I'm like they don't even like just show up and look nice and don't even like every time mm-hmm. Jay Z show. You know what I mean? You're yeah. just like you're not even trying. That's fine. Michael B. Jordan just looked sexy. But for him, Henry to, Golding had yeah. like that purple suit, but like he but looked good. For him to do the like, I'm gonna wear a different pant. Mm-hmm. It's like you should have just worn a regular I, suit. I expect that for like a Henry Golding or like a Michael B. Jordan though, because they're just actors too. Like you were that's saying about a, yeah. Regina, but like Sean Mendes is like one of the biggest pop stars in the world right now. So like. You should be giving me something. Yeah. Also, Rami Malek, you just played Freddie Mercury. Yes! Like, what are you he talking about? He just played Freddie Mercury, and then he shows up to the Met Gala, which is camp. Look at a hot-ass mess. Also a mess. I don't know what Emma Stone was doing. I didn't oh, even yeah. see her. What was she wearing? She looked like she was going to San Junipero. She had, like, <laughs> this green jumpsuit and, like, tussled 80s hair to the side. There's and too I was many people. Like, I didn't even see her. <laughs> Emma Stone, in a way, kind of shies away from a lot of aspects of celebrity. Like, she's just not on social media in a way. Like, she's 
cool, but she's, I mean, I, I don't mean to compare everybody to this person, but like, she's got that Jennifer Lawrence thing of like, it is about like, you know, down to earth relatability ultimately, even Whereas though I, I think her like movies Emma are awesome. Stone, yeah. I'd want to hang out with actually. Yeah. I'd hang out As with Jennifer Lawrence. As opposed to Jennifer. Yeah. I'm not determined to hang out with people who are relatable. I want to hang out with psychopaths. So. Mm, well, well, what's that? You hang out with You me. already do. <laughs> <Just> yeah. <right. laughs> I did it. <laughs> uh, somebody else who I just thought looked amazing, not Camp Dua Lipa. That was fun. Oh, yeah, Dula Peep. She looked great. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do we miss anything? I feel like I'm we, sure we I did. Feel like we had a there are a thousand people app. there. Yeah, there are yeah. too many people there. Rihanna, come back. Yeah. <laughs> Please come back, Rihanna. Beyonce, come back. Where were you, girl? Even though she never looks good at the Met Gala. She doesn't not look good. She just doesn't do the theme yes. at all. Uh, Blake Lively, I think you would have shown up for this and done really? some Scrooge McDuck shit. The most boring actress in the world you thought would have would have turned out at camp? No, she but was she... literally camp in a simple favor. All she had to do was come in a pantsuit and swilling some aviation gin. I... Brought to you by Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> no, I find her like obsessive about like, I dress in a fucked up, you know, uh, uh, lady gangster way now. You know, you'd think that would fit She in just the wears theme. suits. Wasn't her she wasn't her wedding on a plantation? Which camp. are on theme, yeah. <laughs> her plantation wedding was high camp. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's the theme. If you want to do camp, next oh. time comes as a white woman getting married on a plantation. <laughs> Last recommendation. So Susan Sontag, who like wrote notes on camp or whatever, if you ever want a fun YouTube hole, watch her being interviewed and rejecting the premise of every question she has asked and just ruining every interviewer's life. And she used to uh, be with uh, Annie Leibovitz, of course, yes. who I'm sure is trying to sell you a masterclass on YouTube right now. I mean, it, Notes on Camp is in her book, like uh, Notes Against Interpretation, yeah. which also has an essay on Ionesco. And I feel like her essays are like reading an Ionesco play because it's always like, I shouldn't be writing about camp, but I am going to be <laughs> writing about camp. This is what camp is, but also it's not what camp is. Whatever you think camp is. But <laughs> Whatever you think camp is, isn't what camp is. If she didn't know what the fuck it was, I get, you know what? You want camp? Go watch Baps on Netflix. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is the best camp movie that has ever been made. Uh, Netflix might be generous. I might suggest Redbox first. No, yes. it just, they just added it. Netflix. What are you talking about? They oh, just I was added... kidding. Yes. <laughs> Redbox. <laughs> uh, you tap into one of those and, like, the CIA finds you. <laughs> when we're back, we're going to talk to Jonathan Levine, director of Longshot. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. <laughs> Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I... 
throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Politics has always had a ubiquitous presence in our culture. Don't speak for me. I rarely think about it. All right. Well, from music to sports and film, I know you love thinking about sports. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Doing it right now. And ever since Donald Trump was elected president in 2016, it's felt almost impossible to produce art without it being inherently political. Is is this just like the thesis for Keep It? (laughs) Uh, It's like I'm doing a teaser again. And now politics has found a new home in romantic comedies, thanks to our guest director of the new film Longshot, Jonathan Levine. Hi. Hi. Well, we really did segue like seamlessly from a pre-conversation into this conversation. We oh, were, did. The we one were literally they just talking about this what in, in what I thought was a casual way, and then you said, let's start the podcast, and you literally just went right into it. It's really I, cool. I had a friend once who was on Oprah, and she said, you kind of couldn't tell when the show was starting or whatever. She would just keep talking you through the break. And like you would realize, oh, oh wait, I'm on the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. They'd save it for after the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just like her personal tapes where she rewatches her interviews. She's like, yeah, I really asked them a good question. About it. <laughs> uh, anyway, your movie stars Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. Yes. Who do you like more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really like them both equally, and th- that is genuinely true. I've, I've now, I've made three movies with Seth, and I've mm-hmm. gotten to hang out with him a lot. And I didn't think I could like anyone more than I like Seth. We have a lot in common, 
And then, then Charlize is yeah. just so dope that, like, it, it really has become a very tricky uh, selection. Not I that I have to. <laughs> I have to tell you a Seth Rogen politically themed story, okay. which is the day after the 2016 election, I went to a coffee shop and I was sitting there waiting for my friend and I had, like, just stopped crying and, like, gone out to get a cup of coffee. I'm sitting there miserable, feel like shit. And then I hear Seth Rogen's voice. In the coffee shop. And it truly snapped me back to reality. Because yeah. when you're like Seth Rogen, like what's happening and his voice is very distinctive. And I was like, oh, yeah, the world is ending, but I guess it's still going on. There's something and very calming about about his presence. It was actually weirdly very voice. calming. Yeah, yeah. And his voice. Yeah. It was very calming. And it reminded me like, wow, this sucks. But I guess I guess the world is still moving. I know it's what still... coffee shop that is, but I'm not going to expose. I know. His I know. It's when I, I deliberately <laughs> didn't stalkers say stalkers in these streets. But Harry Styles goes there, too. I deliberately didn't Harry say Styles it. Harry Styles goes there, too. He loves that coffee shop. Really? Yeah. Go I know, I know exactly which coffee <laughs> yeah. continue this from that coffee shop. Um, I, have a, I have a story about uh, John Favreau. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, wait, uh, this John Favreau. This yes. John Favreau. Yeah, uh-huh. the one who will never be on this podcast. Right. He just won't He's do banned. it. He's banned. We're ideologically Why? opposed. Yeah. yeah. So we met, like, you know, he was in his previous life as speech writer. Is so, that what he did? Yep, totally. Oh. So we, um, I, I, uh, I got in touch with him through a friend, and I, and I met with him. This was like two years ago when we were like developing the script because mm-hmm. I thought he would have insight into speech writing. And we met, and I was like, dude, we should, you know, totally hire you as a consultant and pay you for your time. And he was like, no, I'm good. And and, and, and I was like, no, like you can, no, he's like, no, you know, I have this podcast thing. I was like, is that like, can you make money doing that? Is that like lucrative? He's like, yeah, it's starting to, it's starting to be. So this was, this was like two years ago. So I guess um, he didn't need us, but he was very insightful. As we sit in the office space that they're, (laughs) that they've created. (laughs) Which Um, is a very nice office space, by the way. Did you find a different speech writer to help you? Because Seth Rogen's character in the film, it ends up as... Charlotte's speech right Yes. Um, I mean, a lot of what John gave us ended up in in the script. Um, we had John Kerry's chief of staff was a consultant. So he was not so much as the speech writing. So I think, you know, the speech writing, we actually just brought a lot of like comedy writing mm-hmm. insight to it. It sounded it's funny. Not... So it couldn't have been John Kerry's speech writer. <laughs> it was not John <laughs> Kerry's speech writer. You don't think he's funny? John Kerry's pretty funny. The hair is funny. <laughs> I'm actually a Teresa Hines Kerry stan. I miss her terribly. <laughs> uh, I actually was really fascinated by the idea of the um, speech writing aspect of it, because I think that that's one thing that we don't really dive into when yeah. we talk about politics so much. You know, you look at... Um, like the current political climate and the people who are running, you know, like the Elizabeth Warrens, the Cory Bookers, the Pete Buttigieg's, and it's sort of like um, they're being modeled by what they're saying, and it's someone's writing this, uh, and it's it's someone's idea of who this person should be and what we want to present to the world. Yeah, and what we want to hear from them, yeah. Well, it's really interesting because it's, you know, I I spoke to Favreau a little bit about this concept of, like, authenticity, and these people kind of came up to him, and a a lot of political candidates are like, we want to be authentic. Like, we want to feel authentic like Obama, you know, and you're already (laughs) like, that's not not you. So I think it's like, you know, it's important to remember that people, none of these— people are truly authentic. I mean, you. I was just reading something today about how Bernie Sanders is like a phony. And even though <laughs> he is like, he does a great job of seeming authentic to me, he just seems like a very 
authentic, real person, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren, too. Um, and I think that's like a, a real key is to is to craft that authentic persona. But I don't think it's necessarily real. Um, and I think what Trump has done is made it. I mean, maybe that that I hope that's Trump's authentic persona, because if it's not, it's like crazy <laughs> that he would fabricate that. But like, that's something that, you know, that's something that in in today's political world, like he is. I mean, you have to think that's why he's so popular is that yeah. he seems like he just doesn't. Can I curse? Oh, yeah. yeah. It just seems like he just doesn't give a fuck, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you and can say a lot of things <laughs> on this show. <laughs> so about two years ago, yes. um, I secretly predicted the return of rom-coms. Mm-hmm. I did this in like a bunch of meetings, so I don't really have any proof that I predicted this, but I did. But, Oprah has the proof. Oprah has the proof. Um, <laughs> but so how do you feel about being sort of on this wave of like the rom-com sort of coming back and and in more of a... I mean, you know, you look back, I look back at movies I love, like something like The Wedding Planner, yeah. which is very different from something like Longshot or like Someone Great, which we we just had Jen Robinson on the podcast. And like, how do you sort of see this movie in that kind of resurgence? Well, I mean, I think that for, for Seth and I, this was always something we really loved was the genre of romantic comedy. And it was, um, you know, I think a lot of times now people talk about romantic comedy in kind of an ironic way. Like they're kind of, well, they're kind of, they, you, you, it's like a, you accept that they kind of are not good um, and, and you like them because they're not good. But I think for us, we wanted to make one that was genuinely good and had a quality level and performances that, that were great and was genuinely funny and genuinely romantic. And I think that that is something that kind of went away for a while that 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 I think it may be just the degree of difficulty was too high. And Hollywood was like, well, they'll take the shitty version of this. So we'll give them the shitty version of it. Right. And then it just they died. Um, but I think, you know, Hollywood has been making rom-coms since the 30s and 40s. Those are like some... I mean, the best movies like that I've ever seen are, you know, like these like um, bringing up baby. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. Like right. um, the Catherine Hepburn movies, you know, like right. Moonstruck. Like, yeah. You know, they made really smart, intelligent rom-coms uh, like quote-unquote women's pictures, you know, yeah. before, like, the 60s and 70s happened, and they were like, we need to be gritty and have um, Steve McQueen stealing cars. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that used to be associated with quality and now sort of seems to be associated with less quality. But I think that, you know, we tried to do something that was of a certain quality level. I think there's, you know, some of the ones on Netflix I think are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I loved it, you know, because for me it's like— it's kind of why I wanted to start making movies in the mm-hmm. first place. It's like I loved when Harry met Sally. That was mm-hmm. like, a, you know, I loved Annie Hall. I guess it's not. I shouldn't talk about Annie Hall. You know what? You can. You like can it doesn't. You can like the movie. I don't <laughs> think I could watch it now. Yeah, I've had that with. I really liked Midnight in Paris. Yeah. And I was flying to Paris, and it was on the movie option, yeah. and I was like, this would be a perfect movie to watch on my way to Paris. And you're like. Can't really do it, but yeah. it, I still love the movie. I watched and, and Vicky Cristina Barcelona this morning. You That's did. Crazy. That is just a weird thing. To do. You <laughs> just woke up and threw on Vicky Cristina Barcelona. <laughs> the important thing is we have a movie where Kathy Bates played Gertrude Stein. That's very exciting. <laughs> I was gonna. I am very much um, actress oriented. Okay. So like whatever you see a movie with like a hundred men in it, like I consider the Ides of March a, a Marissa Tomei movie. You sure. know what I mean? Like you go down the list and find it. So Charlize to me is one of the most <laughs> dependable. Just um, just amazing actors, the amount of amazing performances she's given us. And I'm talking about North Country, Monster, like it goes back and back. I feel like she's somebody who almost probably can't be pushed anymore because she's such a masterful screen presence. And I'm wondering, what is it like to work with somebody at that caliber who's giving, you know, a rom-com performance? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like we talked about how she would approach it from a genre, like reverse engineering it to the genre. I mean, I think what's so amazing about her 
is she really just is a storyteller and really wants to em- embody the character and 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 she she un- and but she's also so funny. So it's like there's a lot of like holy shit I'm just sitting here I get to talk to you which is kind of cool because I'm a huge fan of hers and then and then you just see in her approach like ha- why she's great. She's just relentlessly trying to make everything better all the time and she has such amazing taste too. Um and that's something that I think that's really important as, for working with actors is like Seth and Charlize, they weren't just actors on the movie, they're producers, but it's like a taste level. It's like they just have good taste and it's not, you know, they could give you any type of performance, but they are crafting a performance that matches like their taste for rom-coms or their taste for, you know, character-driven comedy. Um, and so that's a really key thing is that you all have the same kind of taste and 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 we do. And I think that's that's another reason why she's so great is because her instincts are just fantastic. It's rare that they are in awful movies you know like they're always in movies Mm -hmm. that are like giving you something really good and even the ones that you know people might talk about like the green hornet or something i really love i like you know and it's sort of like that's actually my favorite seth rogan were we just talking about our favorite seth rogan movies we were Um, mine was pineapple express okay yeah yeah uh speaking of seth you know i directed 50 50 and the night before if anyone wants to just talk about those 50 50 was was my it was tied with pineapple express Express. um (laughs) speaking of seth movies yes i had a question about his character yeah this. you know because a lot of it is you know the idea that like fred flarsky is unattractive yeah. compared to charlie's there on which did you feel that was some sort of like really trying to course correct you know like maybe a lot of the conversation around seth with maybe katherine heigl in knocked up when that happened because weirdly seth looks super hot in this movie now yeah, so I- a lot of those jokes maybe didn't fly the way they would have Ten years ago. Yeah, I, I don't know, actually. I think maybe in the marketing it seems like that's that's sort of the concept. I think mm-hmm. in the movie we tried to make the concept more not that he's unattractive and she's mm-hmm. really hot. It was more like he's an idealist who can't get out of his own way mm-hmm. and also makes some really bad decisions. You did compare him to Guy Fieri. <laughs> yeah, but I think that that was like in, – in that one particular scene, I think that's more about the public's perception of mm-hmm. this versus, you know, versus what is real in the movie. And and for me, like I understand the value of the concept of this sort of um, mismatched romance. But to me, the more interesting thing is like people who challenge each other's ideals – people who have these different kind of idealistic like perspectives and people who you know I think I want the audience to kind of quickly forget about that mismatch and be like oh these are this is just a guy and a girl and it could be any guy and a girl and they're really they fit each other really well and they they challenge each other and they make each other laugh and like so yeah I mean it, you know it's not like we didn't I, we didn't really talk about knocked up mm-hmm. but I think we did know that like that part of it was not the most interesting part to us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, for me, it was like the reason I wanted to make a romantic comedy was not to make something like you know, uh, she's out of my league or something. Like that it was mm-hmm. more to make something like a Cameron Crowe movie or, okay. or you know, um, where it's like John Cusack and 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 Ioni Sky, not you know, I don't know. Well, all women are out of men's league, so there it's we hard are. to overcome that one. Thank you so much for bringing up Ioni <laughs> Sky. Yes. Yeah. Daughter of Donovan. Really? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. What? Yeah, isn't that bizarre? Cool. Yeah, sister of Vanilla. Sister of Vanilla Sky. <laughs> that's right. Movies have sisters. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I was going to say, you brought up how uh, John Kerry's chief of staff was a consultant. Yeah. Was there anything he suggested that actually was too wild to put in the movie? I would think cons- working with somebody like that, you would find out the reality is very strange and actually audiences probably wouldn't accept it. Well, like there was something we kind of shot it, but it was it was in a part where we just needed to move through faster, where 
like on they're on these planes so much that everyone like there's a there's kind of a doctor that walks down the aisle of Air Force Two. I'm not sure I'm even supposed to tell this story, but who like gives you like either amphetamines if you need to stay up or like, something <laughs> to sleep. It's like it's like basically just like a pill doctor. Propofol. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Conrad Black. Yes. Propofol is fucking good, man. Have you have you ever had Propofol? Not recreationally. Yeah, I love a Propofol. It's so great. Yeah. You know, um, I want to end up like Michael Jackson. It was not. I got it for um, a colonoscopy. Yeah. Oh, that, well, that scans. Yeah, it has to exist <laughs> yeah. for if, some if, reason. If, 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 but, but when I woke up out of it, I felt uh, really euphoric. Mm-hmm. So anyway, a good reason to get colonoscopies, guys. <laughs> we're talking about screening for colon cancer. Is that what we're talking about? That's right. Yeah. Yes. You're Katie Couric, right? I am Katie Couric. <laughs> um, you've done 50-50, you know, night before and now this. Like, what, what's next for you? Like, what what is exciting you about where you want to go in your career? Um. I would like to write some stuff. Um, I would like to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kind of probably do like a Warm Bodies TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great movie. Thank you very much. Um, and I am going to probably yeah just go. I think do some streaming stuff because you don't have to deal with like it coming out. Just really stressful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it just seems really fun to do that for a second, and then I'll I'll hopefully write something or 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 um I don't know. I'm just really proud of this movie, and I've done I think since the night before I've done like three movies in a row really quickly, and it's um it's a lot. I think I just want to like relax and breathe and like really think about what I want to do next. So long shot is in theaters now. People yes. should go see it. You should and. You know, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, having me. I don't want to thank you for talking about John Favreau on this show. I'm sorry, uh, guys. He, I thought it was like a family affair. It, it you know, it, it's touching. Tommy's our dad. Yeah. <laughs> John Lovett is the cousin we sometimes invite to Christmas. And, yeah, uh, his cousin Oliver. Who's yeah. Favreau? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Actually, I'm not really on this joke. This is Irish <laughs> joke. I like John. He's a lovely you person. Know? Yeah. He's the neighbor from Bewitched. <laughs> uh, by the way, I want to give extra props to June Diane Raphael yes, in this movie. Who is amazing. Uh, a just fabulous on Grace and Frankie, but wonderful in this movie, too. You guys should have her in here. She's pretty cool. She's also, like, good at podcasts, which I also love. She's, so a, nice. she's a good podcaster. Yeah. yeah. She's a pro. Well, now we're in to talk about Bravo, and Lewis will... Um, disappear. Yeah, you disappear. You know, we'll give you what you want, but it'll be a curse. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when we're back, we're going to talk about Lewis C.K. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Lewis Calvin Klein, who is still trugging along on his comedy comeback tour. That was clever. <laughs> That's from my comeback, comedy oh, right. comeback tour. Your type five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he is taking new precautions to avoid audience members from filming his set. It was first reported by writers James Shotwell that the Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis sent out a notice informing ticket holders that not only will their phones be put into yonder pouches, but due to copyright laws, they would be unable to record, redistribute, or reproduce any of Louis' material. The copyright notice had one glaring ironic sentence that caught people's attention. It read, any use of materials without the express prior written consent of Louis C.K. is strictly prohibited. What is this, an O. Henry story? I know. <laughs> they love a silly twist. Um, first of all, these yonder pouches are very annoying. I mean, there's not a comedy show on earth that's worth that trouble. Right. Right. Oh, my God. Imagine throwing your phone away during a comedy show. What a shocking idea. I mean, what are you going to look at when it gets boring? Right. <laughs> or horribly awkward or whatever. There's always a moment in stand-up where you're like, how am I in this room still? I know. A point where they fixate on someone in the front of the audience and they're Oof. like, hey, what you doing over there, sis? And it's like, please leave her alone. I'm sympathetic to stand-up comics, but God, does it get awkward. Jesus. So... I don't know. Louis C.K., now he's, it's obvious that he's working on probably a special or something, trying to do something that he's testing material for. Mm -hmm. That's why he doesn't want this recorded. Aziz Ansari did that recently at a show. um, And apparently one of Dave Chappelle's shows before he did his Netflix special had this thing too. Is this weird? That is interesting. I mean, like, look, if I am performing on stage, which which occurs very infrequently, as you know, I stick to cabaret mostly. Mm -hmm. But if I were to see like a cell phone open in the audience, I mean, it would distract me in a particular way because you're trying to keep one train of thought going. You know what I mean? I mean, like, because uh, it, it's not the same thing as singing. Not that that doesn't fucking bother me when I'm surrounded by a sea of people filming um, somebody on stage. I just want to say that I saw pictures recently of a James Taylor concert who, you know, is in his seventies. Nobody had their cell phones out. Let's give it up for people in their seventies. Cause that's like the last experience we're going to get like that. <laughs> but the thing here, it's not about the distraction, right? It's like, he doesn't want, because he's already had his shitty jokes leaked. Like mm-hmm. when he made fun of a bunch of teenagers who were in a mass shooting. And when he made fun of people who have different gender identities and it didn't go over well. And so he's just protecting himself. He doesn't want people getting mad at him anymore. Yeah. And the thing that like, listen, I am not like a huge stand up comedy fan. Um, and And I know that part of it is like in order to practice, you need an audience and you do have to go to clubs. That sort of feels like an occupational hazard of like the way that you know your material is good is you have to go test it out on people. And sometimes now people might leak it. Like it's weird to me that you just are you can now decide that you're just going to change the way everyone like operates and goes out at night because Mm -hmm. you don't like the way that, you know, this is going. But I. I guess my other question is, and I don't know, because again, not a stand-up comedian, but like maybe just don't test it that way. Like Mm -hmm. maybe invite a bunch of comedians over and run your jokes by them. Like the idea that this is the only possible way for him to like test his material to me doesn't 
make a lot of sense. In the theater, you know, when we've got a new piece, you know, we just round up the rest of the artists, you know, like have a little hurly-burly moment, you know, read some stuff, swap some whiskey, you know, like we're, we're, we're just vibing here. And then when we get to rehearsals, you know, we're on the road, we're in Kansas, you know, like you're doing some runs before you get to Broadway. No guesses to what the accent is or who the playwright is you're imitating, but very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. It was my Lanford Wilson. Right. Oh, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I agree. I mean, yeah, he's pretending like there's it's some sacred space he needs to have in order to produce comedy. It's like we have a it's Twitter a, right there. Yeah, it's a comedy club. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, give me a break. Which also, like, famously, you've desecrated sacred spaces with your semen. Oh, God. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> also, I wonder if it applies. Like, is he doing like open mics where there are other comedians also performing? Like I with Aziza's show, I understand a little bit a little bit more because these are like big comedy shows that presumably he's filming. I mean, like not really, but um, if there are other people also performing, like why then do you get to dictate the rules of the evening? Mm -hmm. Just because you're an asshole. Yeah. It really puts me in the mood for comedy. All these rules though. My God. What well, also feels a bit like last week too, you know, like not even just even the jokes coming out, just like no, no reviews of the show. No, like any sort of like feedback on your performance. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden he's really into asking for permission. Yes. As, as Padma tweeted. <laughs> oh, did she? Oh yeah. She, oh yeah. She, that is. Wait, she Padma, started, Padma? Padma yes. tweeted. Um, oh, now Louis C.K. cares about consent. Ooh. Yes. Pack your knives chef. and go. <laughs> <laughs> Those top chef burns in the kitchen. What an amused douche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he sucks. But, you know, like we're 100 percent not we. Someone will be getting a Louis C.K. special soon. And I will be interested to see who decides to put that shit out. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, he's the one who uh, funded Tignataro's thing on his own website. So mm -hmm. it's possible he'll just release he might it, just himself. Do it himself. Yeah. That, yeah. That's honestly... Yeah. That's the only good move for yeah. him. Yeah. You know, comedy, step up to the streets. You know, he'll take <laughs> it back where it started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I think of when I think of him. Streets, walking on them. <laughs> he loves a jot. Also, by the way, this uh, this nonsense with him has been going on so long. I truly am sick of hearing people defending whatever was amazing about him. It's like, yeah, once upon a time, I did see a few episodes of Louis that were good. But just it's so beyond the pale now. And I'm uh, the camera work that scene where they ate pizza in New York. I've eaten pizza at that place in New York before. Oh, my God. It was life changing. <laughs> right. Yeah. He is one of those where uh, like when you talk about someone like Woody Allen or you talk about even to some extent, not like Harvey Weinstein was creating things, but you're like he had his hand in like some really excellent movies and sort of what it, or like Michael Jackson's probably the best example of like what it means now to sort of give up that art. Louis C.K. is not in that category. Like we don't need to have discussions about what to do with his stuff stuff now. It's Pretty like don't watch wasn't it. that damn good. Yeah, like it, you can just sweep that to the side. <laughs> There's always someone online who likes to be Louis C.K. wrote Pooty Tag. I mean, it shows. Like we <laughs> shows a white person wrote that for a studio. We need to save these conversations for what we're gonna do with Thriller, a real conundrum. Mm -hmm. We doesn't Louis seasons four and whatever they can go. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I am worried about Thriller now that you mentioned it. We haven't right. figured out what to do. No. Well, when Halloween rolls around, mm -hmm. we'll figure it out. Oh, my God. We know it. It will just be surrounded by it again. Yeah. Six months from now, we don't remember shit. Mm. Well, yeah. I don't remember my kids' birthdays. <laughs> and it shows. I don't remember having kids. Do I have kids? Anyway, when we're back, keep it. And we're back for the best part of each episode is Q 
keeping it 100. I'm kidding. Keeping it 1600. What is it? What Sorry. Th- that was a throwback. Yeah. It's keep it. It's keep it. That's what the segment is. Keeping it 1600 is the Eden's crush of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. It later become a bigger phenomenon. Pod Save America is the pussycat doll. That's right. <laughs> and, and We're all is, thinking that, right? This okay. is the closest in your solo career. <laughs> <laughs> Poo a kitty kitty. <laughs> <laughs> what is your keep it? I'm sorry I'm not more informed about my own keep it, but it is, my keep it is to that goddamn Starbucks cup on Game of Thrones. First of all, <laughs> I saw the pictures on Twitter, and I naturally thought it was planted or uh, fake or, you know, like that um, that Jason Derulo falling at the Met Gala thing where it's like, oh, that was actually five years ago and everybody just keeps forgetting and reposting it 100,000 times. I don't know. I know that this show, from what I've seen, and I've now seen three episodes, so I'm like pretty much an expert. most recent ones? Correct. Okay. Very smart of me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, my roommates you, watch it. I just watch it. It's like jumping into Dynasty after Alexis has already taken no, the mansion. You know, it's like jumping into Happy Days when, like, the only person left on the show is, like, Joni's friend. Like, there's just, like, nobody left. Um, it's still Fonzie, though. Right. Oh, yeah. At age, like, 70 on, this, uh, on the bike. Um, I just know that this is, uh, I think, almost... Um, inarguably, the most impeccably produced TV show of all time. So when I see a gaffe like that, and I do believe this is the biggest gaffe in television history, it is so shocking. The image of that cup has burned in my mind. Truly, I can't figure out how that possibly happened or how they couldn't fix it or didn't see it or whatever. And I cannot let it go. It is on my mind constantly. I am sitting at work thinking no one saw the cup. I'm sitting at work thinking, you're telling me that actress who looks like Tilda Swinton or the other one who looks like Christina Ricci didn't pick it up? (laughs) Knock it down. It is especially shocking, not just that it made it through edit. I mean, they were sitting there and were like, action, while this fucking Starbucks cup is sitting there. And in a way, uh, uh, Amelia Clark, right, is just kind of looking over it. <laughs> I mean, also, it's in her line of sight. I think it's twenty million an episode. Yeah, that it caught like it, and it takes a long time for them to shoot these up. It's truly like a movie. Um, it took that two was, like, years to make this fucking season. <laughs> two years. Yeah, I don't know, man. Guys, maybe, maybe it was. On purpose? I know. I, right. don't, I don't. I want to know. I just let's, want let's, to know. Let's, let's give them something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> now, HBO actually issued a statement too that was like, uh, "We noticed the coffee cup, and actually, Daenerys meant to order herbal tea, not coffee." Oh, you know, I love content. <laughs> it is. It is weird that there because it makes me feel like it was in the shot for all of the footage they had. Because, you know, you would think like, oh, we'll just use a different take. They've but, edited it out now. Yeah, they've edited it out now. But it feels like they had it honestly feels like they looked back at all of their dailies <laughs> and they saw that that cup was in every single take. And they were just like, fuck it. Who's going to notice? There's like 18 dragons. I don't know. Are there dragons? And there dragons in this? Mm-hmm. Well, there's uh, one now. There's one now. I feel like they were like, oh, no one's going to notice. <laughs> Which is I mean, I it to me, it feels like nobody notices anything except things on Game of Thrones. So I think maybe the extra step should have been taken. Also, like you know this is going to lead to such an exhausting SNL sketch on Saturday. Oh, sure. <laughs> so thanks well, for that, Game well, of Thrones. Said, Will her name be spelled wrong? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of uh, options. Thanks, HBO. Can't <laughs> wait to see dragons in Insecure. <laughs> Carol, what's your keep it? 
Um, Mikey, if it's not like that, you know, groundbreaking, but it is to Donald Trump for giving Tiger Woods the fucking Presidential Medal of Honor or Freedom. I don't know. I don't. First of all, I don't know the difference between the medals that they give out. (laughs) To me, it's like a president pinning a medal on you. What difference does it make which one it is? Um, And you know what I will say? I wasn't like happy about Tiger Woods winning, but I was like, you know what? That was like. A feat. Like, you know, congratulations, man, because I sure did not think you were ever going to win anything again. And now you're out here accepting this medal from Donald Trump. And by the way, the list, maybe it's a keep it to everyone he's given this medal to, which includes Elvis, Babe Babe Ruth, (laughs) and Anton Scalia. What the fuck? Like, half of them are dead, and then the rest are just people that who have given him money. They've all stolen things from black people. <laughs> oh, that's who he's giving them out. Maybe- Scalia stole rights. Elvis stole music. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pat Boone's next. <laughs> <laughs> what did Babe Ruth steal? <laughs> you know, Second base. I'm, I'm sure he stole something from Jesse Robinson. <laughs> Jesse Robinson. Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson. Okay. But Jesse Robinson was Jackie Robinson's brother. Oh, okay. And I think that he stole something from him and then framed it on Jackie. Yes. And then Jesse told a bunch of white people to come to the stadium and harass his brother, Jackie. And well, the, the rest is history. Yeah, it seems so the obvious now. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. They're both assholes. And uh, he looked stupid giving him the medal. He looked stupid wearing it. I don't know what to tell you. It does feel like getting a Grammy from like Millie Vanilli. Like technically they're Grammy. Yeah. Winners. Like it, it also, <laughs> but... it also feels like in a best case scenario where we fast forward like 10 or 20 years where we realize that Donald Trump was never a legitimate president and we have an asterisk next to everything he's done that I hope all of those people I hope the Secret Service shows up at Tiger Woods stories like give us that damn metal back. Rob Elvis's casket. Yeah, like, give us that shit back. This isn't real. You didn't earn this. He wasn't really the president. And that's what Tiger would deserve for even accepting it from him in the first place. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Sounds like a Sarah rule play. A hundred years in the future. The Trumps are like, actually, he was never president. What happens to them? Thoughtful. Anyway, um, my keep it this week is for this memoir Billy McFarlane is writing. Wait, uh, of Fire, Fire Festival. Festival. Yes, oh. uh, it's it's called like Prometheus, God of Fire. <laughs> that's actually so FYR. I gotta say that's actually a pretty good title. That's a pretty good title. <laughs> but I don't want to read his cobbled together memoir from prison. I don't want him yeah. making money. But wait, somebody with the God pl- complex couldn't possibly have run this operation. It seems so shocking. Are we talking about the same guy? It. You know, I much like Elizabeth Holmes. I have said publicly, like I could, I would have watched a third Fire Fest documentary. I would not read Shocker, a Fire Fest book. That's not what I want from this. I want to see the influencers with the tears streaming down their faces. I want to see them taking the selfies and then the slow deterioration on their Instagram story to crying on an island somewhere in the middle of the night. I don't want to read. I don't want to read about this. I want to see it. Also, Prometheus is spelled P-R-O-M-Y-T-H-U-S. Oh, never mind. I take it back. But it's, <laughs> I take it back. It's already a myth. Why do you need to put myth in his name? Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> That makes no goddamn Does sense. Does he have, like, is someone publishing this or he's just writing it? Um, he's he's just tentatively writing it. No publisher yet. I don't need to read a book about somebody who made a bunch of, like, just a bunch of impulsive decisions. He's going to self-publish it. Okay. Yeah. He made a bunch of impulsive decisions. He said epic 30,000 times to jaw rule and everybody was stranded in the streets. That's the whole story. How much longer do we think he has left in prison? Did he just go? I, I mean, I'm sure he's he got was, a few years left. He was in... 
he was about to go in one of the documentaries. They were like, he's like, he's, I'm about to go to prison. Um, I don't know how long he has, but. I think he's there with Michael Cohen in the same place and the situation from Jersey Shore. So, Oh, maybe the situation can proofread it for you. There you go. Maybe they can have a VH1 docuseries. I would actually much rather read a memoir from the situation than I would Billy McFarlane. I would read the shit out of a situation memoir. That man has seen some things. Who's your favorite Jersey Shore cast member? (laughs) (sighs) Oh, man. I mean, favorite, like... (laughs) (laughs) which std bothers you least i think it's got to be Vinny. i like Vinny too yeah Vinny and jaywow are my favorite i like jaywow too yeah Mm. my favorite is character is the letter that snicky wrote (laughs) about to ronnie and and, what was her name sweetie honey what sam but didn't you have like sammy sweetheart yeah Yeah. yeah. the sweetest bitch you'll ever (laughs) meet um by the way the new york mag report on billy's book is very beautiful. Um, <laughs> it says, look at, um, um, there are claims that like Ryan Seacrest visited McFarland in prison to discuss plans to purchase the name and remount Fire Festival himself. Um, and Ryan Seacrest says it's not true. And also they were saying that he had reached out to Walter Isaacson, the writer and journalist behind the Steve Jobs biography about working on Prometheus. And he didn't understand why Isaacson wasn't returning his calls. And when reached for comment, Isaacson asked who Billy McFarland was. That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I do not recall. Goodbye. Uh, th- listen, this self-published messy book. Well, I read Omarosa's. I will not read this. Mm, that's a that's a low bar. Billy McFarlane is no Omarosa. <laughs> I mean, point. that I actually agree with. Sure. Period. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, like she's at least a self-owned stunt queen. He is just yeah. sort of a, a life-ruining stunt queen. But he probably will be on season nine of Celebrity Big Brother. You think you're kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure kidding. that will happen. I'm not yeah. kidding. I'm very serious about that. Right. Yes. Julie will snap him up. Right. And like Phaedra Parks will be in there with him, like stuck and trying to get out or whatever. <laughs> uh, well, that's our show. We'll see you next week. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.